Welcome back to Hockey House Pod, episode 130, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you the latest news from around the ACHA and AAU college hockey. It is officially national season. We are here to give you Nationals Preview Episode Part 1, breaking it up into two parts this year to make sure that you get all of your coverage before the action kicks off next week before we dive into all the actual we'll throw it over we got fitzy in the studio with us tonight down in huntsville so we got to throw it over him give a shout out he's been out for a couple of weeks but i'm sure he's still tearing up the sp down there it's been a while since i've i've dressed up for an sp game still on the ir from the uh, the broken thumb got the cast off over two weeks ago now and it's just been a, a slow rehab process probably gonna be out uh, these next, we got a three games this weekend, parents weekend coming up next weekend. So that'll be a, a good time. Haven't, haven't seen them, uh, since I broke my thumb in Peoria. So, um, chomping at the bit, but happy to, uh, talk some puck here tonight. Wishing you the best of luck in your recovery and hope you get back on the ice soon because plenty more hockey to be played in the SP in the regular season here as it comes down to the wire once we wrap up our season. But we'll throw things over next to our executive producer, David Herman, whose voice we just heard. But Herm, how are things in Utica? Things are going well. Big win for the Comets last night. Had a little bit of a heartbreaker versus Monterey for UCFC. Welcomed the leading team in the league to town. 18-0 flash. Came down literally to the last minute. Very, very proud of the boys that they hung in there that long. We're headed to go see the HCFC uh, stadium tomorrow. We're going to go kick some balls around. HCFC is Huntsville City FC, and they are the minor league affiliate for Nashville in the MLS. Basically the AHL of the MLS right there for, for hockey fans listening. We'll throw it over to our guy Aiden Collins who joined the club. He's just like the rest of us. He's played his final game in the ACHA. Collins... How are the boys feeling after this weekend? I would say that loss to Lehigh on Friday stung more than losing in the semifinals my sophomore year, stung more than losing in the championship last year. It really, really sucked to go out in the quarterfinal. The boys, were their heads are high. Hopes for a better season next year. There's a a bright future for the program and been looking at it like this is only the end of one chapter of my hockey journey because obviously with this and other things there's a hell of a lot more to go i'm diving headfirst into to working for athletics with hockey i didn't really have the time to take on some some cool assignments but you know lacrosse season always always pumps me up and, and gets me in a good mood so i've been applying to jobs eventful weekend from me probably the most eventful of the year so far well, it was the opposite of eventful for me. I think you guys know that the NBA meme where it's like the graphic of the stat line and it's like just all zeros across the board. Like, I think my weekend stat line might have been like six cups of coffee drank, 30 hours of sleep and then just zeros across the board. It was nice, relaxing. Uh, you could toss up a bunch of ACHA graphics as well. So, I mean, it was good. It was lots of regional action. Just kind of sit back and rest because I looking at the calendar and we'll get into it here. But once we start traveling to Philly and St. Louis, like there's not a lot of sleep. It is go, go, go. And learning from the last couple of years and how draining those were and then having to go back to school after those now being in the real world and having a job, realizing, hey, I got to kind of rest my body now that I have the opportunity here before we 
we head off and start making some fun content and covering some awesome games. So looking forward to getting down to Philly and then over to St. Louis. And of course, if we're talking about going to nationals, we got to preview these games, which we will, of course, get to in the second half of our show here. But we have plenty of games to cover, plenty of conference tournaments to cover. We had the ACHA M2 regionals, which are always exciting. Unfortunately, didn't get the chance to make it down to Keene. Was hoping to get there for at least one of the days of action. But again, thrilling action across the board in in Grand Rapids and Logan and Keene and of course in Athens as well. So it was a very exciting weekend. We had some big rivalry matchups. That's kind of where we'll kick it off tonight or when this morning, whenever you're listening to this podcast, we appreciate you tuning in. We're recording tonight. And we're talking about the number 24 Oklahoma Sooners ending their season on a high note. Again, if you beat your rival, nothing else really matters. Oklahoma avenges last year's overtime loss. They defeat Oklahoma State 5-3 to in the second annual Bedlam on ice. The Sooners, with an impressive turnaround this season, don't quite make the national tournament. They had an opportunity. They controlled their own destiny. They got swept pretty badly to UCO. That was kind of their chance to move up into the top 20, and they didn't quite get it. Collins and I mentioned on the last episode when we were recording, we weren't quite sure if they were going to be playing for something in this game or if this was kind of the last hurrah. It ends up being the last hurrah, but a phenomenal season. They finished with a record of 17-12-2, 52 points according to the ACHA website. And this is a huge bounce back year. Last year, they finished with a record of eight, 16 and six. Good for 16 points. So huge turnaround season for the Sooners. They should definitely be proud of that. They only graduate two seniors. So look to have them in the mix next year in a very tough conference. They did very well. But I was I was thinking, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen, but they this is their second year. They played at Arctic Edge. They're kind of the little brother to UCO right now. They share an arena, but the place is decked out in blue and gold and says Broncos everywhere. They got the logo at center ice. Herm, I want to ask you, because I, I know you've tuned into a couple of these games. Is it time that maybe we get the OU logo at center ice as well? Or do you think they got to beat UCO one of these times to earn that respect? That's a great question. I think they're enough of a a strong tenant that maybe you could see like a split sort of logo at center ice. I think maybe another year and and it's about time to to show that it's a, a shared building for sure. That would be a fun trophy for them to play for, right? At the, at the end of the year, they play for the logo on the ice. And if you sweep, you get your logo at center ice. If you split, you share the center ice logo. That could be a very unique hockey tradition we could get going in the ACHA. So I wanted to raise that question here while we're we're talking about the UCO-OU rivalry. I'm sure that the rink managers are just rooting for like a four-year sweep, basically. So they have to do as little work as possible, basically. Well, I know, too, at some rinks, they do it with locker rooms as well and banners. Like, if you have played there for a certain amount of years, if you pay a certain amount of money, if you have a certain amount of ice time, there's kind of rules about who gets what, especially at these rinks that have multiple college teams. So I'm sure there's a reasoning why the, the UCO logos are so prominently displayed in this rink again Oklahoma's only been there for two seasons now next year will be their third there was another big rivalry matchup this weekend it was of course the Palmetto Cup taking place in South Carolina at the home of the Greenville Swamp Rabbits of the ECHL again ECHL teams having their rinks taken over by club hockey teams this weekend because of course Bedlam on ice was at the box center in Tulsa home of the Tulsa Oilers. This time it was South Carolina and Clemson going toe-to-toe in the third game of the Palmetto Cup South Carolina Holding a 2-0 lead, they weren't going to lose the trophy or anything, but again, they want to go for that clean sweep, and for the sixth year in a row, they got it. A 
five to three victory for the Gamecocks. Honestly, I thought this was kind of the year Clemson might get a win out of it. They were surging in the College Hockey South playoffs, but South Carolina not letting little brother get anything at the table this time around. A clean sweep for the Gamecocks. Big crowds at both of these games. There was no official number because I believe at both arenas, it was like one ticket gets you into the college game and the ECHL game later that night. I know they had 9,000 in Tulsa as the official attendance, which means 9,000 tickets were purchased. It's hard for them to keep track of the heads that come through the door for the college game. But of course, as the college game gets into that third period, you get the bigger crowd because folks are there to catch the end of the game, start of the ECHL game. So we'll try to track down those attendance numbers for you this week. Let's get over to to the ACHA M2 regionals. Instead of going region by region and just kind of rattling off the final scores, we're going to go through day by day. And I actually thought the ACHA did a really good job of publishing like a recap on the website after each day. We'll start with day one. The headline on day one was the lower seeds stealing the show. Three of the number 14 seeds, the last teams to get into regionals, won their first game of regionals. We start things in the central where number 14 Minnesota defeated number seven Adrian five to two. Again, a tough bounce for Adrian, a team that was very good in the regular season. You felt like they just never really got the respect that they deserved in the rankings. They end up at number seven. They are the lowest seed playing on Friday night. Uh, the other teams in the, the regional get a bye and then Adrian falls into this trap. They run into a red hot Minnesota team that kind of kickstarts a Cinderella run for the week. Herm, I know we had Alex on the show last week, just kind of a heartbreaker for the guys. It was a tough watch. Unfortunately, I I think the Bulldogs that were so successful during the regular season didn't show up and just an unfortunate result. Again, they weren't the only number seven seed going home on Friday. Con College upset Bentley eight to six in Keene. It would have been the third straight Nationals bid for Bentley. They've been to St. Louis and they went to Marlboro last year looking to go again. Con College beats them in a in a boat race eight to six was a little rattled, though. They they posted a picture of Bentley on the blue line for the starting lineups and they had mismatching socks. And I was like, whoa, here, this is this doesn't look like a team that's ready to go back to nationals. And sure enough, it's the Camels getting it done with the upset. And then you had number 14 Penn defeating number seven UNC in the Southeast Regional. This actually marks the third year in a row that Penn has upset their first round opponent in regionals. In 2022, they beat Kentucky in the first round, and then they upset NC State. Last year in 2023, it was Michigan on the opposite end of the upset. And then this year is 2024, and they're defeating UNC in the first round. Quote from the boys, Philly is no stranger to being the underdog, and we love to make our league, the Colonial, proud. This Penn team, that I, it feels like it's like, set your clock because every year we talk about them upsetting a team in the first round of regionals. We don't talk about them all year long. They just kind of fly underneath the radar. They play in the colonial, they end up winning the conference title and then they get that bid into regionals again, a conference that's not very good. They get the auto bid from winning it and then they go to regionals and they make some noise in their conference. They, do kind of just steamroll through everybody. I mean, when you're playing, you know, a bunch of schools predominantly comprised of local kids like Millersville, and then you got a team like Penn who is compromised of kids across the country. Uh, and obviously with uh, some kids who probably came from some pretty elite prep school hockey backgrounds, you're, you're going to steamroll through your conference and, you know, play spoiler. We talk about their rank all the time, right? Class of 23 rank. They're one of the best ranks in the country for ACHA hockey and They're making the rink proud, they're making their school proud, and they're making their conference proud. Then you had number 13 UCLA defeating number 8 Boise State. 
had a couple games go to overtime. St. A's defeated Clarkson 2-1 in the Northeast and then out West. Texas defeated SMU 5-4 in overtime. SMU had won that conference, and so they'd beat the conference rivals. Going over to day two, and the shoe still fit for a couple of these Cinderella stories. University of Minnesota off of the back of winning against Adrian. They defeat number three, Iowa, three to two, and they send the national runner-ups home packing on their first day of regionals. Again, I sent the screenshot in the group, but we had an Iowa player running his mouth in the comment section when we posted the graphics of teams going to nationals. And we won't name the player, but his comment was, we wanted to be snubbed. See you boys there, referencing that we would see them at nationals. They fall to Minnesota three to two. Then you had Con College, who defeats number three RPI, 12 to seven. A wild game in Keene. The Camels win this barn burner, and they are now one a win away from going to the national tournament. And then you had the defending champs on the ropes in Keene. Number six, UMass defeats number eight, Sacred Heart, two to one in overtime. So the defending champs living to see another day, keeping their back-to-back title hopes alive. Day three, again, the Cinderella story just kind of came to a screeching halt. It seemed like all the higher seeds ended up moving on. We start in the central region with an absolute heartbreaker. Number four, Concordia, Wisconsin defeats number 14, Minnesota in overtime. It was not without controversy, though, a non-call on a clear trip in front of the net, leads to Concordia, Wisconsin, getting a breakaway close on the offsides. They end up scoring on the breakaway. Minnesota's furious. I actually got sent the live barn clip of the Minnesota bench when this puck went in the net, and I forgot to send it to you guys, but it is insane. Like Players standing up on the bench. You had coaches walking out into the ice and walking into the ref circle to argue the call. You know, hands up in the air. Guys were throwing stuff. It was insane, and you know, I sent it over to our, our unofficial Hockey House rules analyst, Ross Kamaldi, who's the the chief official for College Hockey South, and because it was, you know, he doesn't do ACHA games, so I figured I'd send it to him and get his take on it. He totally agreed that it probably should have been called a trip, but he thought that the linesman made the right call and that it wasn't offsides, and it's so hard to tell from that camera angle. It's a bang-bang play, but he had the best quote. He said, but that call in overtime comes down to hope versus courage. Talking about, you know, when you're an official in overtime, it is tough to, you got to have, you know, the determination to make that call in overtime. We talked about it too. I think the ACHA refs get a hard time, but I think at the end of the day, we got to remember like, hey, like this is just ACHA, like just like we're players keeping the dream alive. These are officials who are maybe starting the dream of getting into it. So it's a blown call and it's, it's tough that it, a team ended their season. Fitzy, I'll throw it over to you. It's a tough way for a season to end. Yeah, been on the end of this many a time. Pretty recently happened here in the SPHL. So remember that the the refs are humans too, and mistakes are going to be made. And you could probably point to a lot of things throughout that game that'll that'll be forgotten. But there's a lot of different stuff that could have you know led to a different outcome and changed the situation to where they weren't even put the ref in the position to make that call in the end had they uh, played differently throughout the game. But yeah, that one will live with probably the ref for a long time. And then I absolutely live with the kids for, for a good, good time. Yeah. And we had a bunch of people sending us the clip and it's like, like, what do we have to gain from posting it? Like heartbreaking situation. At the end of the day, it's a hockey play. It happens. And we didn't watch the whole game. Right. So like, who are we to judge one clip that we see and, and make a determination you don't know if if maybe uh, Minnesota got away with a trip earlier in the game or and, and, you know, they were just trying to even it out like we don't know. So we didn't want to share that clip and have it get taken out of context. 
I mean, my takeaway was it really, like, it's so obviously a trip. It's like, what we're kind of, it just feels like beating somebody when they're down. Like we all wish there was like video review in the ACHA or like, you know, we had high quality officials, but it's like, you're getting what you sign up for. So honestly, we talk about Penn making some noise in the regionals three years in a row. I think three years in a row, we've seen a team go home in regionals because they get sewered with a call like this. So just kind of the, the way it goes sometimes, but sticking with the central, you had Michigan state defeating number 11, Maryville. The Spartans had a huge three goal comeback on Saturday to defeat Jamestown in overtime. They carry that momentum and punch a ticket to St. Louis in the Northeast regional. You had number four UNH defeating the Cinderella story. Number 14 con college UNH goes back to nationals for the third straight season. And then you had army defeating number six UMass. There will be a new champion in ACHA M2 army punches their first trip to nationals in program history. So we talked about it last episode, but no Michigan in the M3 tournament. No UMass in the M2 tournament. We will get new champions in both of those, which is very exciting. Heading to the Southeast region, you had number three, Indiana, defeating number eight, NC State. The Ice Pack knocked off the hosts on Saturday night, but it was the Hoosiers punching their ticket to nationals for the third straight year. Fitzy, I know you're a proud alum. I know you're bummed that you never got to go to regionals when you were there. Since we have started this podcast, the Hoosiers are three for three in going to nationals and seasons where they hit the ice. How do you feel about that? I was worried they weren't going to uh, pull it off this year. Had a lot of ups and downs throughout the season. They were right on that uh, that auto bid spot. They were you know, ranked second pretty late in the season. So you lose that auto bid and you got to go to regionals and earn your spot i i was i was worried that was going to come back to bite them but it's really cool what what they're being able to accomplish there brought in a, a really good coach who's he's t- taken them there uh all three years and uh it's definitely special to watch and yeah you're right i'm uh i'm always l- a little bit bummed inside when uh when i see him uh succeeding but a- always always happy for him Again, NC State had a great year. I think we were getting a lot of hate when we posted the, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the comment section, but people were uh, were chirping us that Kentucky didn't make the national tournament and that we were probably bummed. Of course, we, we cover all the teams with the same amount of love. NC State and Kentucky happen to do a great job, have great media teams that we're very close with. So, of course, we give them some extra love when it comes to you know the highlights or the photos and whatnot. But again, we don't care who goes to nationals and who doesn't go. And so NC State and Kentucky losing on the final day. I'm not going to say it was tough, but like those are two big brands in in club hockey that you would probably love to see go to nationals. The amount of burner accounts that we're starting to see in the Hockey House pod comment section, I think that means we've made it at this point, right? When I when I look on an account and they follow one person and it's like some random celebrity or they follow like three people and it's like Hockey House pod, college hockey buzz, and then their favorite team, like... I think we've made it when we got players making burner accounts and commenting on the stuff. Herm was saying off air, like, I think we all put a lot of work into the ACHA. So you're, you're right. You're like, man, I wish we had that at my school. And like, hey, we're winning more games than that team. Why aren't we getting that much love? It's a never ending cycle there. But that kind of wraps up the regionals. It's going to be an exciting M2 tournament. We will cover that preview on next week's episode. We got some conference tournaments to recap here before we get to the interview shortly couple of, there's a there was a million conference tournaments this weekend and we would we would ha- be doing the show through next week if we highlighted every single one but there's a couple of big ones i want to mention i want to give a shout out to the boys at drexel you can't slay these dragons drexel goes on a cinderella run to win the eschl title 
They defeated number 20 Delaware on Friday night. Delaware is going to nationals. They defeat number nine Niagara on Saturday. Niagara is going to nationals. Then they get a matchup against URI in the championship game and they beat the Rams four to two. We are going to have Captain Pat McGinley, Captain, grad student. We've talked about him before, cinematographer. He does it all for Drexel Hockey and he is going to come on the pod next week. It's actually the first time we haven't jinxed it. So I talked to Pat via DMs last week and was like, hey, man, like would still love to get you on the pod if you're interested. And he was like, yeah, like whenever works for me. And I was like, why don't we get you on after the Eshel tourney? And he was like, yeah, that'd be a sick way to go out. And I don't think Pat ever imagined going out this way. And so congrats to Drexel. Big shout out to to David Wagstaff, who's a big fan of the podcast and a huge supporter of what we do. So was really cool to see them. Again, that's a team that I, I went toe-to-toe with three years when I was at Syracuse and getting to talk to a lot of those guys between whistles and stuff. Like All good guys. Again, Class of 23 rink was always a fun place to play. So I know how much effort that took for them to get there. And honestly, like my freshman year at Syracuse, I went in after they had won the conference title and they didn't get to go to nationals. Kind of the same Kind of the same thing. They beat ranked Liberty and they beat ranked Stony Brook, who are both going to nationals that year. And Cuse ends up winning the conference title and they still talk about that title. So I know the guys at Drexel are going to do the same thing for years to come. And so nothing but congratulations to them. Another team that had a historic playoff run. Collins hinted at it earlier, but we got to talk about the Lehigh Mountain Hawks. Lehigh completes a record season with their first title since 1942. Shout out to the boys for digging through the archives on this one. It is Lehigh's first hockey championship since 1942. They defeat Villanova on Friday night. They defeat top-seeded Westchester on Saturday, who's going to nationals. And then they clinch the title with a 4-1 win over William Patterson. Collins, it's crazy how far we've come. We've talked about how wild of a year it was in the ECHA. We talked about at the beginning of the year how hot Lehigh was. Was it sustainable? Were they, were they playing tough teams? And it, it kind of feels like they finished the season just the, the same way they started it. If you thought that this conference was all of a sudden going to be chalk once the regular season came to an end and the chaos wasn't going to continue, you would be dead wrong because we had the one and two seeds get knocked out in the semis you know you see the five seed win the whole thing really big props to those boys they they really kind of showed that you know while at the beginning of the season they went on to great hot streak and then felt cold on the back half you know they found that extra gear and found that that resiliency and you know setbacks are just setups for comebacks lehigh must have heard that same quote too Uh, that is one of the most poetic I think ECHA playoffs I've seen in recent memory. It's it was really cool to see and really really happy for those guys. It was great to see the crowd on hand for that title game too. And I think the crowds all weekend were great. Collins, you can kind of you can feel free to chime in there. But looking at the photos and the videos from a bunch of different games, it seemed like there were some pretty big crowds. Yeah, I think for our game, I think probably at least in the Villanova section alone, probably around a hundred guys just come out to watch the quarterfinal. It was absolutely rocking. It was Lehigh didn't have uh, I think they just had parents at that point because it's, you know, a a little bit over an hour uh, from Bethlehem, PA. So it was really, really cool to get that one last moment of playing in front of a big crowd before before it was all over. When Lehigh beat Westchester in overtime on Saturday night, Westchester had a huge crowd for that game as the host team. The, The fans came in droves for Lehigh 
on Sunday afternoon. Some other conference tournaments we want to shout out. Binghamton defeated Buffalo for the Division I UNYCHL title. Penn State Harrisburg defeated Newman to win the DVCHC title. You had Miami defeating Florida Southern on home ice 4 to nothing to clinch the College Hockey South D3 title. And then you had Fairfield defeating Farmingdale 4-3 to in overtime to win the Empire Purple Division. We'll turn things over to some ACHA Women's One Conference auto bid. This one coming to you courtesy of our friend Margaret Dixon. She watched all of the Women's One action this weekend in preparation for nationals. She did a phenomenal job doing some write-ups of each of these conference finals. You had the the Women's Midwest Conference at La Haye. You had the Central Collegiate Women's Hockey Association doing theirs in Michigan. And then you had the Western Women's Collegiate Hockey League in Salt Lake City. So we'll start with the WMCHC at La Haye. The championship game was on Saturday. It was a rematch of the 2023 final between Midland and Liberty. Midland has had a phenomenal year this year, one of their best in program history. They had the number one ranking for a very long time. Midland jumps out to a one nothing lead. Liberty responds and gets one in the second period. And then Liberty goes up two to one on a goal from Haley Battles at the end of the second period. Midland ties it up on a power play goal. And then you had Liberty scoring late to win three to two and clinch the first of three auto bids to St. Louis. Liberty now the number one seed in the country. It is just, it's that time of year. Just when you start doubting, like if Liberty's going to do it again, they put themselves in the driver's seat to win another national championship. They get redemption on home ice. It was kind of weird seeing they were the number two seed, but they were on home ice. And so Midland makes the trip out to La Haye. They can't defend their conference title, but I'm sure they'll get another stab at the Flames down the road at nationals and then heading to the CCWHA. Adrian coming out on top in triple overtime in a matchup between the number two seed in the East and the number one seed in the West, Indiana Tech. Indiana Tech led this one on a power play goal from Allison Green. They added another tally, and then it's a come-from-behind victory for Adrian. They tie it up. They force overtime, and then it was Ashlyn Stitt scoring the game-winning goal and clinching the second auto bid in Nationals. And then continuing out West, we had the championship game between Colorado and Arizona State in the WWCHL. ASU basically controlled this one from the start. They scored two goals within 30 seconds to lead 2-0 after the first. They ended up winning this one. I believe 6-2 was the final. They book a trip to St. Louis, and they've had a phenomenal second semester as well. So all in all, I want to thank Margaret. She watched a ton of hockey. She did all those recaps for us that I just rattled off. Again, I, I kind of did the spark notes of what Margaret had for us. A ton, a ton of information that hopefully we can get her to keep doing these write-ups for us as she watches the action in St. Louis. Speaking of women's conference titles, we got to give a shout out to the Penn women. We had a Michigan in the DVCHC W3 championship. You had Penn scoring the Michigan. They ended up winning this one like 12 to four. Crazy story here, Collins. Why don't you kind of take this one over? The assistant commissioner of the DVCHC, Dara Barsap, is a good friend of mine. And I was I was texting her uh, after the game because she texted me saying the comments in that that post were just making her like insanely happy and just making her laugh like crazy because it was it was pretty funny. A lot of beef in that comment section. But she told me, she said, before that game started, I said to my commissioner, we need Michigans in ACHA women's, and that was the wildest game for it to happen. Predicted the future, and there's a reason she's an NHL trader and you know sets lines for the NHL at FanDuel. So, yeah, I think she might be clairvoyant. So You got to give a shout-out to is Brooke Weller. 
the freshman for Penn scoring the Michigan in the conference title game. You kind of love to see that that content come from the women's game. I don't know if you guys saw it in NCAA action. You had that girl on Minnesota doing the the slap shot on the empty netter, which was like sparking a lot of controversy on the internet. Like, and again, I don't know if this correlates, but I, I feel like it's maybe like the PWHL, like those girls are in the spotlight. They're saying how they, they want the hockey to be played like the regular way. They don't want to have any modifications on the women's game. They want to be treated just like the men. And again, it doesn't get any more, you know, being treated like the men than having beef in the comment section of the hockey house pod Instagram page. So I think it's, it's great for the game that we're seeing this kind of energy. So hopefully we see more of it at, at nationals as well, but we're going to get to the interview very quickly here. I want to run through we have a couple more points. And then the second half of the show, we will get to our national tournament previews. Got to give stick taps this week to Hofstra goalie speared in Merkulis. Merkulis made 95 saves in Hofstra's four overtime loss to sacred heart in the quarterfinals of the empire conferences black division tournament puck drop for this one was 9 30 p.m it was the last game of the night it goes to four overtimes it ends on saturday morning at 1 30 a.m Marcoulos, he made 48 saves in regulation 47 in overtime for reference james birch the sacred heart goalie he had 45 saves in the entire game Marcoulos doubling him up on this one you got to give credit though sacred heart ends up winning the tournament they defeated top seeds stony brook two to one in the final but herm what is the what is the segment that msg does because i feel like they seem to be picking up a lot of hockey house content too because marcoulis was on there you got the screenshot of the hockey house tweet as well and so uh he was loving it uh i saw it was talking to him on social media going back and forth and he was he was absolutely loving all the coverage it is the msg 150 something that is near and dear to ranger fans islander fans devil fans bill pedo does a superb job hosting the segment and i believe i'm not sure i think it's one of the producers for msg that might have a kid that's in club hockey because they picked up the rostic clip there was someone i believe a why i'd have to dig back and find it when i I said thank you. Somebody follows us. Yeah, someone follows us. Someone someone has their finger on the pulse and is like, we want to promote club hockey for whatever reason, whether like we're producing good content or they just have like a family affiliation. We appreciate it. So it's it's always cool to see on MSG, especially as as someone who grew up watching the network. It's been a while since we had somebody on the hammer in a hot seat, but Two things that that stuck out to me this weekend, and I feel like usually I don't have anyone on the hot seat when you know I enjoyed the weekend. But again, I mentioned my stat line at the top of the episode didn't really do a whole lot this weekend, so it was pretty easy for things to to aggravate me. First spot on the hot seat: these conferences that have not updated their website. I know it's it's the ACHA, it's AAU college hockey. These are volunteers, I'm sure, behind the scenes working on these websites for these leagues. I took a step back and I'm like, you know what? I like to think that I'm one of the smartest people in the world at finding information about the ACHA and AAU college hockey. And if I can't find that information, how are like other people supposed to find that? So again, tracking down schedules, how to watch the games. Some of these conferences knocked it out of the park. And I want to say the ESCHL did a great job. James Witherwright was on the broadcast all weekend. He did a phenomenal job. Someone was giving him a shout out in our comments. So I want to make sure we give him a shout out as well. The Empire did a phenomenal job. Rin was on the scene, the Farmingdale videographer. He was doing video recaps and clips all weekend. They had a great stream and then they also killed it on social media. So I wanted to give them some stick taps because some of these conferences, I mean, it's like pulling teeth trying to find information about how to access these games. 
We mentioned their AAU team. They made it to the finals in the Empire League Championship, but the ACHA team is finding their way into the hot seat. That would, of course, be the Stony Brook Seawolves. Another tough year for the Seawolves. I mean, a team that was basically expected to go to nationals every year has now missed it two years in a row. Was on the verge of making it last year. Was in the rankings early on this year, but the wheels just fell off once again in the second semester. Not only is it tough when you go through a season like that and you don't meet the expectations, but when you got the school newspaper writing headlines that say Stony Brook Hockey split series with NYU to close out bad regular season. And then the first sentence is to close out its worst regular season in 29 years. The Stony Brook hockey team splits a home and home series with a foe who had nothing to gain. The Stony Brook student paper is the statesman and they are taking no prisoners on this one. They are calling it how it is. I I was joking with somebody that, you know, ACHA teams pray to have their school paper give them attention. And here you have Stony Brook school paper giving them attention. The attention that they don't want. Also got to shout out whoever at the ACHA greenlit that to go on the front landing page of the website during one of the most important weekends of the year because that is also hilarious. So Stony Brook ended up on the the, the hammer in a hot seat here. Let's get you to our interview this week. Thanks for tuning in as always and, and hanging with us. But this one is presented by Optimex Sports. Optimex provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is these guys know club hockey. Be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in building a website of your own, sign up using our referral link at optimexsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. Once again, that's optimexsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. We have an Optimex website now, so be sure to check that out at hockeyhousepod.com. This week's guests are Kansas captains Mitch Miles and Caleb Duso. They're joining the show this week to talk about rivalry at the rink and their matchup Thursday night against Mizzou. We're joined this week by two members of the Kansas University ACHA M3 hockey team. Joining us is our senior goaltender, Mitch Miles, and then alongside him is his fellow captain, Caleb Duso, a junior forward. Boys, welcome to the Hockey House pod. I assume you guys are joining us from the Hockey House if you're sitting together on a couch like that. We are indeed. Thank you for having us on. Give us the lay of the land in the house right off the bat. How many guys are in there? So we have eight guys total in the house. I have the penthouse. We have four underneath me. Duso's got the main floor, and then we got two in the basement. There we go. Sorry, do so. I cut you off like right from the start. That's not being very. That's not being a very good host. But uh, we're happy to have you guys on. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, we're we're super grateful to be on here. Yeah, like he said, he's got the penthouse. Uh, you know, the two oldest guys have to have the best room in the house. So I got the middle floor. It's been a good ride so far. It's a little messy, a little smelly sometimes, but it's good. Eight is a perfect number. That's what we had when I was playing at Cuse. We had eight and it was just like we had four guys downstairs, four guys upstairs. There's nothing better than that. It's it's why we all love the hockey house. Happy to have you guys on. We got a big matchup this week. You guys are wrapping up the season, right? This is the final game. The last hurrah. For Mitchie here, right? Exactly. One more go. I mean, I wouldn't want to play anyone else but Mizzou. I mean, ever since I came to Kansas, the, the rivalry's always been evident. I'm 1-0 in Border Wars right now. I wasn't here last time, so I'm not trying to make it 1-1. One one. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good stat line to have right there. We were actually just talking about on the intro of this week's episode because last week we had Oklahoma and Oklahoma State playing in an ECHL rink. We had South Carolina and Clemson playing in an ECHL rink. You guys call this rink your home rink, right? I know you guys play a couple big games there throughout the year, but walk us through what that's like. Yeah, totally. So we normally play our hockey fights cancer game there. We, this year we played 
Wash U, and we ended up winning 4-1, I believe. And that was awesome. We got tons of fans to support, raised a ton of money for the American Cancer Society, which we are all super proud of. And it's that's always a great experience. And now we're playing them again against Mizzou on the big ring. Normally we play on the other side, just like the little practice arena. But it's always super fun to uh, to play on the big side and, and have a good crowd base as well. Yeah, hoping you guys draw a good crowd there as well. Is this like a is this like a two for one deal? Like if people get a ticket to the game, do they get a ticket to the ECHL game? Are you guys the only show in town on Thursday night? We're the only show. It's just us. Don't worry. There'll be plenty of a show with uh, KU Mizzou. It's always a rivalry. I mean, heck, with basketball, you got guys picking up chairs. So it's always a rivalry. There's going to be some tilts. There's going to be some banging of bodies, but it'll be a good game. And you, you guys, the last couple of years have done a great job of releasing some jerseys too. By the time that this comes out, the the world will have seen what you guys have unveiled. Did you guys have any say in these jerseys? Did you see a jersey that you liked and you got said, "Hey, we got to do that"? Or who's who's the creative genius behind this one? Our staff members, they're super awesome. They normally come up. They like the input from the players, but they get the final say of what the jerseys look like. I can't re- reveal too many details. The jerseys here are going to be pretty sweet. And the last couple of years, they've been great as well. It's all always super fun to unveil the new jersey right before the border war you know we intimidate the opponents a little bit coming out with the new jersey they haven't seen before they won't recognize so it's uh it's really fun it's really fun time especially going through media day like all the other teams do it's a really a great time we're super thankful for our our staff members that can help coordinate all this as well well, I got to ask, because one thing that we, we've talked about a lot, too, and with UNC and NC State, you know, they saw they played that giant game outdoors in the last couple of years. North Carolina has really caught up to NC State because when you're playing your rival, right, you want to perform to their level. And Mizzou has been on a heck of a run, but you guys have really turned things around this season. Walk us through what the the last 365 days have been like for you guys, because this year's record is a lot better than last year's record. Yeah, I I think we have just kind of turned the boat. My freshman year, we weren't even a team. It was during COVID. We were playing in a beer league. It, it was a joke. Like, I don't know why we were even playing at that point. No no scheduled games. And then sophomore year, we came in and I'm seeing 70 a night and we have 12 guys on the bench. Like, it, it's just kind of a whirlwind of going from being in a great team before COVID, a, a national contender, to being a shit team for, I'm oh, sorry, can I swear? I'm sorry. Yeah, this is the hockey house. You're allowed to swear. Fair enough. Thank <laughs> you. We were a shit team for a long time and now we're back. And I think it, it comes with recruiting. Our coaches do a great job of doing that and getting guys in the door and honestly just KU as a whole because this campus is not like any other. It's one of the best in the country and the basketball school and football, it, it gets people in the door and when you get good hockey players coming in as well, it, it helps out. I mean, Mitchie, walk us through there. Like, you're from Colorado and you end up at KU. Like, how does that happen? Like, where where did you did you play hockey growing up in Colorado? How did you find out not only you were going to go to KU, but they had a hockey team as well? Like, walk us through that whole process. Being from Colorado and coming to KU, it, it wasn't really anything in the cards. Like, no one in my family ever went to KU or anything like that. My dad went to CU. My mom didn't even go to college. I was looking at CU, CSU, and all that. I'm golfing one day. Andy McConnell, our coach, gives me a call, and I start chatting with him, and I liked everything he said, and we just made a connection. And I think being a goalie, it's always good to have a good connection with your head coach so you know what you're thinking. I just felt like I had a better relationship 
with him than I did my high school coach. And that kind of made my decision right there. Now, when you were looking at schools, were you looking at ACHA programs? Were you talking to coaches? Like, were you aware of the ACHA when you were in high school? Hey, for sure. For sure. I was talking to Montana State, CU, CSU, hey, a bunch of schools, but I, I, I definitely did want to continue playing. And I think KU gave me the best opportunity to do so. I wasn't expecting 70 shots a night. I, I love the workload. It, it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, can't complain. Hey, Deuce, what about you? Like, where did you grow up playing hockey and, and what led you to Kansas? Yeah, totally. So I grew up in Wisconsin. So high school, pretty competitive there. Uh, when I was growing up, I didn't know the ACHA was a thing, really. My dream was to, of course, go play NCAA hockey somewhere. But then, of course, COVID hits. I'm thankful enough to go and play junior somewhere. Before that, really playing high school hockey was pretty eye-opening, like the competitiveness level. I mean, even compared to Minnesota, like Minnesota's got great high school hockey. But Wisconsin is like is right up there with them. It was it was a really fun experience, and I was I was grateful enough to be captain my senior year. I grew up in a little town called uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin. Found myself with the Milwaukee Power. Then once I uh, discovered KU, I my dad was telling me, you know, you should go really uh, tour some schools out of state. Like you should open your horizons a little bit because I just wanted to go play CHA at uh, University of Milwaukee. And they used to play KU every every year or so. And I think they were in the same division until they moved up to D2. I was going to go there. I met with their coach and everything. And then like same with Mitchie, the, the coach called me. He just was super convincing and a great guy and went and toured Kansas, saw a basketball game, of course, like every, every, <laughs> every student who comes to tour does. And then as soon as you see the game, you're like, oh, I have to go here. I have to do this every yeah. weekend. It was, it was really awesome to come visit here. And that basketball game, I met with a couple players on the team. And I, you know, I actually met with a couple guys while they were doing, I think it was the 2019, they were doing their uh, matcha division championship in Milwaukee that year, which was just a couple, uh, like a 30 minute drive for me. So I actually went to go watch their game to send them to nationals. I got to meet with some of the guys in the locker room after, met with the coach and everything. And then unfortunately COVID happened and they didn't end up getting to go. I met with some of those guys and the head coach and that was really, that was really a turning point for me. So meeting some of those guys was uh, what was really cool and what ended up leading me here. I grew up in the Northeast, so kind of similar to you, like high school hockey, very big. You know, there's a million NCAA Division three liberal arts schools around if you want to, you know, age out of juniors and go play there. Right. You know, going to Syracuse. Right. I went to the Carrier Dome and I was like, this place is unreal. Like and I didn't even go to a basketball game when I went on my tour. Like walk us through Allen Fieldhouse. Like this place looks like it's a zoo. It seems like it's on everyone's college basketball bucket list. I mean, if you we're on a hockey podcast here and we're 10 minutes in, you guys have already mentioned how crazy the basketball games are. So talk us through like what it's like. There's nothing like Allen Fieldhouse. It's the best stadium in North America. I've been trying to petition that we need to make it a reversible rink since the day I got here. But unfortunately, I don't think they're going to go with my thoughts. But I mean, there's nothing like KU culture. The Jayhawks everywhere. When I was abroad, I saw Jayhawks in Japan, Singapore, Australia, everywhere. That that emblem goes deeper. It's just the rock chalk. Like, there's nothing like it. Every, everybody says they have something like it, but it, it's not the same. It's, it's funny you mentioned, too, like put, flooding it with a sheet of ice in Allen Fieldhouse because that would that would be so sick. But one of our guys, Fitzy, he played at Indiana, right? And he always yeah. joked, like, how good would Assembly Hall look with a fresh Unreal. sheet of ice down? Unreal. 
That would be a packed barn. That would be the best ACHA game ever. That would be so cool. And I, I think it's been a good year, too, for the conference. I mean, Kansas is in it. Now they got Houston. Like, you go to a school where, like, the national media is talking about your school this time of year, right? Because we're gearing up for March Madness. Exactly. Yeah. And honestly, all that attention really helps us, too. Like, uh, we're just ACHA, so it's not like a ton of people know that we exist in the first place. But all this attention with Kansas basketball being so good, Kansas football then we can kind of step in and we can promote our stuff as well. And so for this border war, we've already sold over over 2,500 tickets. And and last year, I think we ended up selling a little over 1,700. So it's it's pretty amazing, like the, the leaps and bounds that, we, that, that we've been able to make as a program just from year to year and, and the media attention that we've been able to get. Yeah, it's crazy too. And and that's like the beauty of it, right? Because again, no offense to University of Milwaukee, but like their rivalry game, like I know they'll, they'll probably play Marquette on Halloween or something like that and they'll get a good crowd, but it doesn't have that name recognition, right? Like when you guys release these jerseys and it says Jayhawks across the front, like that means something a little bit more and people get fired up when it's, you know, it's Mizzou versus Kansas, right? Like, let's go to a hockey game. Let's go check that out. Again, ACHA M3 can be a a jungle, right? Especially in the Midwest. You never know what you're getting into. Like Mitchie saying, like COVID playing in beer leagues and stuff like that. I got to ask, you can take turns going here, but like, what's your welcome to the ACHA moment? Because you guys both grew up in places that are hockey hotbeds. And now you're going and you're playing college hockey in Kansas of all places. For me, I think it was... It was a great memory because it was my sophomore year. I think it was actually my first win, to be honest, in the ACHA. We won like six to five in OT against Nebraska with them having a packed barn and we had 10 guys on our bench. They had a full roster with healthy scratches and somehow, some way we came out with a win. I, I think it was a welcome to the ACHA. Like you're Kansas. You're not like hey, my high school team. We were top notch. We, we were a good team coming to Kansas. It's like, you're the underdog. You're, you're coming into buildings. It's, it's going to be a fight every night. I think seeing a lot of shots and then coming out with a win was probably my best first memory of KU hockey. Deuce, what about you? Like anything that stands out in particular early on? Totally. Uh, my uh, my perception of welcoming to the ACHA is a little bit different. I got absolutely leveled against <laughs> Oklahoma State. I, I, I had a concussion for sure, and I was still going to classes. And I remember sitting in my classes and just being like, I am thinking about everything but economics right now. It was absolutely brutal. But uh, that was definitely my welcome to the ACHA moment. I was a freshman, like he said, uh, his freshman year. It was COVID year, so he was just a sophomore. But when I got there, I was just... Uh, a deer in headlights. I wouldn't say that. You should see this guy walk the point. He He's something else. Oh, man. Yeah, I wish. Hopefully we do that against Mizzou on Thursday, right? Even then, like, I'm making assumptions here, Deuce, but, like, you play junior hockey in the Milwaukee area. Is there, like, that thought process? Like, oh, this is just ACHA D3. Like, no one's going to hit me out here. And then all of a sudden, like, you can't even think straight in economics class. Totally. Playing in juniors, thought, oh, I'll, I'll be I'll be a step ahead of everybody else. Like, I thought I was an easy, easy shot to be first line. And, I mean, I, I was decent on the team. I, I got to play with some of the upper guys who were seniors. The physicality, I was surprised by. Like, you don't expect to go here ACHA D3 and you're like, wow, that's the bottom of the barrel. But it's really not. You go in and it, it is competitive and guys are physical and it's still good hockey. We're happy to be able to promote it here. Just from my experience, it, it's a lot more competitive than people think. And it's it, it's a big deal. Like those games against Mizzou, Arkansas, Missouri State, even Nebraska and Omaha, like like those those schools still really care. It's pretty eye opening for some for some of the schools that really only care about the upper upper level teams, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's really awesome to go see and 
I, I encourage those, those, those people who are a little uh, maybe just hesitant to go check out ACHA D3 just to go watch one of the games. It's, it's really, it is really awesome to go see. It's still good hockey. It's still competitive. Well, I was just about to ask too, like what are, you mentioned Nebraska and then you just rattled off a bunch of those teams. Arkansas comes to mind. Like, did you guys, have you guys had the chance to go down there and play? Because that place looks nuts. Oh Arkansas gosh. is another breed. We didn't play them this year, but I, oh, I, I wish we played them this year. I, <laughs> I wish I had another shot at them because honestly, every time we went down there, we didn't have the team caliber that we wanted. Quarters on the boards, everything you can name. They're calling my mom names everything <laughs> everything you're just hearing woo pig suey all night it's that's a hard bar to go into i mean arkansas is a great school and they, they got a great team i i wish we had one more shot at them i was really pulling for them to beat mizzou so i had one more shot to beat them but fortunately uh, mizzou won and then beat us in the uh, finals but we got one more shot at them thursday so you got to walk us through that game because that game looked insane saw the final score from that one like usually championship game is like a close one you know low scoring but you guys looked like maybe they just had the last possession you guys were trading field goals and touchdowns there because that (laughs) game i mean I, i saw the box score and i was like oh my goodness like that's that's insane but Maybe before you got to well, let's rewind a little bit, like walk us through the matcha tournament because you guys were underdogs. You go on this run there. Was that kind of just like a, hey, we weren't expected to be as good as we are. We are this good. Like, let's make some noise now. We got nothing to lose. Totally. So we had this underdog mentality going into the season. Like we know that the last two years have not been great. So we really wanted to make a name for ourselves this year. And we had good guys coming in. And thankfully, thankfully, we've been able to mesh really well. The improvement that we have been able to make this year by itself has been amazing and going into that tournament going up against um wash U first round somebody that we played in the hockey fights cancer game and then losing to them to next day to being able to beat them 10-1 that game was really amazing and then the next day maryville that was a pretty tough battle a little tougher than i was expecting i'm not gonna lie ended up winning there uh 4-2 i believe just riding our just our momentum that we've that we've been able to build up throughout the year and our confidence level and then eventually leading us to that championship game. And I think, Mitchie, from a goalie perspective, you could touch a little bit more on that. To be honest, with that championship game, there wasn't too much goaltending going on on either end. It was just more on the the offensive side. So I think it's going to be a very different game next time. I, I don't think it's going to be all the, the goal scoring that you see. I, I, I see a 2-1 Kansas win. It's it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to be physical, but I I'm I'm definitely excited. A score prediction? You think? Yeah, so? score prediction. I think oh. we're winning two one. Wow. Okay. Who's this Tyler Nelson guy? Where did he come from, oh, and oh. why is he lighting up ACHA M three? Did you guys <laughs> pick him up in free agency? So it's funny about that is that me and Tyler actually played together in juniors. We played together at the Milwaukee Power back in that COVID year. He went on to go play Waldorf, which is ACHA D1 in like Northern Iowa-ish. He was looking for a change of pace and I reach out. We had been in touch for a little bit and knew he was feeling a little change. So he gets with our coach. He uh, he tours the area and like, well, this is the place for me. I got friends here. I've, I've got a place to play. And you know, he was the best player in our juniors team. He dropped like 50 something points there too. coming here. It was like, oh, that's a piece of cake. And he ended up making it look like that, too, because he dropped 58 points this year. So it was, it was pretty awesome to have him come here, especially since I've been uh, friends with him for a while now. And 
we were line mates together this year. So it was uh, it was really fun to have him here. Definitely something we can hope to continue, not just through this next game, but through next season as well. Yeah, well, he's going to have to pick it up in this last game because last time I checked the the ACHA leaderboard, he was a lot higher up there. There's about 15 guys ahead of him here. He was the clear leader at the start of the season here. So maybe maybe it might be a little more than just two to one on Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, he's probably looking he's probably looking for the hat trick. He doesn't pass the puck too much, so <laughs> uh, I'll I'll give him as many passes as I can and let him just skate down. Get the apples while you can. Mitchie, you mentioned some of your best memories are just like hanging out with the boys after stopping 70 pucks. Like what were those days like for the guys? And you know, was morale good? Because you mentioned yeah. you're going to a lot of these games and your bench is clearly shorter than the other teams and at the end of the weekend, are you just like, hey, we survived another one. Like, we'll get them next time. I think the mindset has definitely changed from previous years to this year. Like, this year, we know that we're a good team and we can actually win games. Previous years, I'm waiting in the locker room, putting on my gear, and I, I'm prepared for battle. And it, it's going to be a war. Just after the games, everybody would just be like, wow, you did the little thing. You did this little thing. Everybody knows that it's not just the goalie doing the job in those terrible days. It's it's the whole team. Like guys are getting bodied. Guys can't get the puck out. It, it takes a whole team to do it. Knowing that we can build that confidence through those dog days knows that we can get the program to a winning culture. And it's just about building that culture when you're down in the dumps to when you are up, because that, that that's what's going to make you be able to be successful at the next level, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, and when you're going through those tough times, it makes, you know, the times you're going through now, like even better, like going to the matcha final, right? Like you're like, wow, like what a, what a journey we've had. I want to know, um, you guys have a, a handful of pretty good jerseys that maybe we can get to in a second here, but what's the biggest perk of being a hockey player at Kansas? Like you guys got a good jacket, you guys got a good setup at the rink. Like when you're telling your friends how good it is to be a Jayhawk hockey player, what's the first thing you mention? Oh man, well... Definitely helps when we're out at the bars. I mean, yeah, yeah, you can you can definitely get a couple free drinks or at least cheaper uh, <laughs> cheaper buy-ins. So that that helps for sure. Wear the jacket around, you know, get a little bit of attention, which is sweet. So that's awesome. But from a hockey standpoint, uh, we're we're really looking to try and build our uh, our brand. And not a ton of people even still know that we have a hockey team on campus. So we're really trying to just get notice out there and awareness for our team. Follow us on socials, of course, sell tickets, everything like that. But I mean, really just the the friends you make along the way. I know it's cheesy, but uh, if, if I wasn't a part of this hockey team, I'd probably I'd probably be sitting in my room playing Xbox right now by myself. Haven't talked to anybody in two weeks. So <laughs> it's super awesome being a part of the hockey team. And uh, I mean, really, it is the friends you make along the way and the connections that you have. So I'm, I'm super grateful for that. Mitchie, is he pulling our leg there? Does that have pull at the bars that you say you're on the hockey team? Oh, oh 100%. Yeah, you go up to a, a nice woman at the bars and you say, hey, I'm on the hockey team. And then they go, oh, we have a hockey team. Oh, that's not really my speed. It's more just the drink part. It's a give and a take. You may get people that know it and then you don't because it is a big school. KU's a large campus. You're you're not going to be able to reach everyone. But for those people you do reach it, it's, it's very beneficial. I mean, today we were out handing out flyers and we just were asking the question, did you know that we have a hockey team at KU? Honestly, like 
75% said they did, which I was I was surprised, honestly. I thought we were gonna get like 10% saying that they they knew what we we existed at all. But it, it was pretty cool to see that people actually knew who we were and it's pretty awesome because I think we're going to get a great crowd out for my last game and for senior night and the border war. I mentioned the Jersey selection. I'm probably missing a couple, but we got the whites, the blues, these new ones for the the rivalry game. You had the, the breast cancer ones. I know too, I've seen on the website, you guys got a black and white one. What's your personal favorite? What's your go-to? Maybe the one that you get fired up the most to see in the stall before the game. Oh man, I am very hyped. Very hyped to wear this uh, wear this new Border War jersey. Like they are sweet. We haven't done baby blues before, so these are going to be really cool. Like I said, we have media day that I can't uh, talk too much about because we're going to release them tomorrow or on Tuesday. They are really cool, and we are excited for every, all the fans to see them. And our jersey store is uh, going to be open. So hopefully fans will go and purchase a couple. They are really sweet and all the colors match perfectly. So I'm, yeah. I'm really hyped to wear those for the game. Mitchie, so. same same thing for you. you. This is the one that you're the most pumped about. Oh, 100%. I mean, we we keep it pretty simple. We have our white Jayhawks and our for home and then our blue kind of Ranger looking Kansas jerseys for the road. I mean, those are both great jerseys. Can't complain. Red, white, and blue, great color colors, but you always get up to wear a, a special jersey, especially like Hockey Fights Cancer Night and the Border War every year. I mean, I, we had some awesome jerseys last year that got shown to a 15-goal loss, so we're bringing back a logo that we had a win under, so we, we should bring it back. I like the thought process there. That's that's what you should be doing. Again, everybody knows 90% of this game is sty, right? Exactly. So we got it right exactly. off the jump there. Bring out the good jerseys. My personal, I think that one of the cleanest jerseys in all of college hockey, though, is the home white with the Jayhawk crest because iconic logo, right? And then you got the traditional, like the New York Ranger shells with the white helmets. I think that's a that's a very clean look. You can't go wrong with that one either. Oh, that's so true. Like we we do have great jerseys. Thankfully, we've been able to put some wins under those jerseys this year, so that that's been pretty awesome. But yeah, our our staff does do a great job, and and they do like the player input as well. So it's been good to have some really cool jerseys these last couple of years. Honestly, I think that's the best part about our team is our staff. We have as many staff members as we have players on the team because honestly, they they're doing everything behind the scenes. We don't even know what they're doing, and. They're just putting out good content. So yeah. shout out to the staff. Thank you. Yeah, it helps having Tyler Nelson too to be able to put up a few exactly. goals a game too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get some cool clips on the Instagram too. We mentioned too that we were going to kind of keep this a little bit shorter because of the length of the episode that we had going here. So last call here is like, is there anything that we haven't really talked about with KU Hockey that, that the people listening this to know about? I know Deuce, you mentioned like just the, the guys, right? Like it's there's nothing better than being around the guys. Anything that we haven't covered that you guys want to make sure maybe gets a shout out? Totally. Uh, if I'm going to shout some people out, like this organization has grown so much in the last couple of years, and there are motivational aspects that go uh, along with that every step of the way. I'd love to shout out our coaches, my girlfriend, Lucy, like my parents, like who, who the people who have made me who I am today and helped me be the leader of this team. Like it's, it's been a, an amazing ride and I'm super thankful for everybody in my life. The Jayhawks are, are, are the team to beat right now. We just scored the second most goals that Mizzou has seen all year against them at seven, even though we still lost we have a chance to replicate that and score even more than they do this time we've got a pretty awesome chance here like this is our super bowl so we're going all out and unfortunately we're not making it to nationals this year but still it's it's been an amazing year and i'm super proud of where this uh where this group has come from where we were so it's uh it's been a great ride 
And I can't wait to see what we do in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Like you mentioned, it is your Super Bowl. You you didn't get to go to Nationals, but the team you're playing is one of the top seeds in Nationals. So, like, what better way to prove it? Yeah, I mean, how else are we going to wreck their confidence before they go, right? <laughs> I mean, if we're not going, they, they, they shouldn't do good either, right? There <laughs> we go. Sorry, it might be a little controversial. but <laughs> M- Mitchie, what do you got for us? What else, What haven't we covered about KU hockey? Deuce thanked, like, everybody there, so it's tough to top that. He said everything I needed to. I mean, hey, thank you to the staff, the coaches. Honestly, it's running my last game in hockey. Like uh, in competitive hockey, this is my last game, and I wouldn't have it any other way than playing the biggest rivals. You that always we got have. beer league, buddy. We, we got, got we league. got beer league. Come on, <laughs> eh. but we got time. I mean, that that was my freshman year at Kansas, so it's the same thing. Yeah, you're gonna be playing in that league in Colorado, anyways. What do they call that? The uh, what's that mountain league? The senior league. Oh, oh, I know exactly what oh. you're talking about. Thank you guys so much for coming on and again, sharing all about KU hockey. Thank you for coming on such short notice so we can get that in time. I guess this is airing on Thursday morning, so the game will be tonight. Where's the game? How can they get tickets if they want to catch you two in action? So you can go to Hockey Instagram. You'll be able to buy tickets from there. There's a little link in the bio. And then on top of it, you can always watch the live stream through the YouTube on the KU Hockey. Yeah, it's just called Jayhawk Hockey on oh, YouTube. You and our Instagram is the same thing, just Jayhawk Hockey. You can get tickets to there as well. And our game is going to be at Cable Dahmer Arena in Independence, Missouri. Get your tickets. Go see the game. It's going to be awesome. Of course, Muck Fazoo the whole Muck time. Muck Fazoo. We'll keep it going. We'll put on a good show for everybody. Once again, thank you to Mitch and Deuce for joining the show. Should be an exciting matchup tonight between Mizzou and the Jayhawks. Going to be an exciting one. Hopefully we can get our guy Devo there celebrating uh, two of the best teams in the Acha in the Midwest going head-to-head. Big rivalry game. Should be a packed crowd. Again, another big-time ACHA game in an ECHL barn. Love to see that. All right, let's get to our Nationals preview here. So how this is going to work this episode, we are going to kind of preview AAU D1, ACHA M1, and ACHA M3. Then we will have an episode that drops next Friday, and that will cover AAU D2 and D3, ACHA M2, and then both ACHA women's tournaments. The reason we're doing AAU D1 and M1 and M3 this week is because by the time that our next episode drops, those tournaments will have started already. So we want to make sure that we get you set up and ready to go for these tournaments. We'll get some hot takes out there for you, some bulletin board material, I'm sure, for a couple of teams. We will get started with AAU Division One. The tournament is kicking off on Wednesday, March 6th, is when AAU will kick off their Division One tournament. Of course, all of their games being played in Westchester at Ice Line. We start with Pool A. The top seed is number one, Tampa. You got number eight, Georgia, number 13, SUNY Cortland, and number 16, Delaware. It's kind of funny. Like, it seems like these teams at the top of each pool have kind of been rotating who's the number one team in the country. And then you end the season with Tampa winning the College Hockey South. They are going to play the team they played in the CHL finals with number eight georgia suny Cortland had some hot streaks in the second semester there they looked like they've cooled off a little bit in the conference tournament there and then delaware has had a, a tough year in their first year of aau division one so an interesting cast of characters in pool a we'll move right along to pool b collins and i talked about this one maybe being the pool of death on last week's episode you have number two niagara number seven south carolina number 11 Fairfield and number 15 Fordham 
Of course, South Carolina and Fordham were in the pool of death last year. It wasn't even the pool of death. It was more like the pool of chaos because you had ties in this game. You had forfeits in this pool. Weird rules where if one team scored two goals in the first period, then another team clinched a spot in the next round. It was crazy. It was chaos. Now you have Niagara and Fairfield joining the fray. Fairfield at 11 sneaky they just won their conference tournament you know that's a team that i'm sure if there was another ranking they probably would have bumped up based on last weekend's performance number two niagara is in there they were the number one team in the country at one point they had a really good year at nationals as well last year so this could be another interesting pool moving along to pool c you got saint bonaventure again another team that's been in the mix at the top all year long number six buffalo and number 10 quinnipiac and number 14 auburn Auburn, again, has had a tough year in the bottom of AAU Division One for most of the season. We'll get to their rival in a little bit, too, but they're kind of in the same boat. Buffalo went to the conference final and lost to Binghamton this past weekend. But again, they've proven that they can play with the best of them. They defeated Tampa earlier in the year when Tampa made the trip to upstate New York. And then finishing off with Pool D, you got Binghamton. We gave them a shout out. They are technically the defending champs they won the d2 national tournament last year now it's the first edition of aau division one number five farmingdale number nine cornell and number 12 alabama rounds out the field alabama too it's interesting you get teams who've had tough years and all of a sudden they're in nationals like anything can happen here you can get a hot goalie all you got to do is get out of pool play and you give yourself a chance. Collins, you and I kind of gave a brief overview of, of this pool setup last week, but is there anything that stands out to you looking at it a week later? Yeah, I mean, I'd say watch out for Binghamton and Fairfield. Again, met each other last year in the national championships and possibly could do it again this year. They're, they're two solid teams, Fairfield especially, maybe got snubbed a little bit. And also keep an eye on the one seed that potentially is cursed so if tampa doesn't make it out we can make it official the one seed is cursed i'm not going to doubt binghamton we doubted them last year we gave them bulletin board material they are just such a tough team to play they wear teams down they are very disciplined that's the word i'm looking for very disciplined that farmingdale team that's going to be a heck of a matchup though should be a very good hockey game it's funny though we look at these pools and you, you think oh that three bonaventure versus six buffalo four binghamton versus five farmingdale or maybe it's niagara versus south carolina or even tampa georgia like the top two teams in the pool we always chalk those up as like the best game that we're going to see in that pool but then you get an upset and it's a game that you, you didn't think that you were going to have to pay attention to and all of a sudden it's got bragging rights on the line so how it works there's four pools the top team in each pool will move on to the semifinals and then of course the final fitzy We'll throw it over to you first. Like any any teams that stand out to you, because I know you're kind of like there's a lot of these teams that we haven't necessarily watched a whole lot of because they were at the bottom of AAU Division One for most of the year, and then kind of it was like musical chairs at the top of AAU D one. But if you had to give us a pick, if you had to go with your gut and give us a pick here, who who you liking in this tournament? I've been checking out the stats all day, getting ready for the episode, boys. So I'm ready for this. My pick to win it all is Niagara. They got the least goals against from any team in, that's in the uh, in, in either any of the pools. They got uh, I think it was 27 goals against. Uh, we we know D wins championships. Me and Murph know that. But yeah, I'm going Niagara. You mentioned earlier, you Tampa, Georgia. I feel like they've been neck and neck. It's gonna take a lot out of whoever comes out of that uh, pool. I, I like Niagara. I like Niagara versus uh, versus the Bonnies and the Chipper. That, that was that was what I was seeing, and uh, Niagara getting it done. I like that pick. You talk about goaltending. Josh LaSalle was one of those kids who got called up to the NCAA team at one point this year. We had a handful of goalies do that. He's clearly getting it done on the back end and 
like you mentioned, this time of year, you need a goalie to to get hot. And we, we saw a couple big performances in net last year in Westchester as well. Collins, throw it over to you. Like, who are you liking in this tourney? I know you mentioned Tampa, too. It's like, is, is there a dark cloud over Tampa because of their history in Westchester the last couple of years? I definitely think there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads. I think this is the year that they really need to prove that, you know, everybody talks about them every year. Like they are the far and away best team in AAU. And it's been like that for three years in a row. This is the year that they finally got to, you know, have to prove uh, to everyone that they can get the job done at nationals. Pretty pivotal for them. As for any dark horses, I think, again, Farmingdale, Binghamton, Fairfield, and possibly South Carolina. They're another team, again, has all the hype around them. You know, got close in the inaugural CHF tournament. Uh, unfortunately, kind of got sewered last year. So they're, they're another team that, you know, really needs to go out and get the job done and prove to everybody, you know, why they are the team with 13,000 followers on Instagram. Herm, anything that stands out to you from an AAU perspective? I know it's funny. A lot of these teams are kind of up in your neck of the woods in and around Utica. And I feel like this is kind of the conversation we were having off camera, but maybe we don't give these teams in the Northeast enough credit here because just like Colin mentioned, like people tune into South Carolina a lot more than they tune into St. Bonaventure. It's not that big SEC brand. But these teams up north have kind of proven all year long that they do play a tough style of hockey. They fly under the radar. I think that shows you got the top four seeds are, are Tampa. And then you have three teams in the UNYCHL. You got Niagara, the Bonnies, and Binghamton. So I know we're kind of we're going in circles here, but is there anything that stands out to you that we maybe we haven't touched on so far? Don't forget Buffalo in that list, too. I wind up picking the game of the week and game to watch for the season. And it is so hard to continue to ignore the same matchups in the UNYCHL because they're all consistently so good that you would see the Bonnies versus Binghamton and Buffalo versus Niagara. Like It's like the WCHL and ACHAM1 where there's so many good teams that play each other so consistently. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a really, really fun Nationals in Philly. And listen... It might be a hard pick. There's some stiff competition, but you always got to watch out for the Cox. I've thought about this, and this is kind of maybe might be the theme of my predictions, but I think too many times I overthink it and I just go with like what is going to happen. But then I'm like, I don't even pick the team I want to win. And then I pick a team that I think is going to win. And then the team I think is going to win doesn't win. And the team I wanted to win doesn't win. So then nobody wins. Right. So I've been kind of reassessing things and I'm kind of going to just go with my gut this year. And I'm just going to root for the matchups that I want to see. I'm chalking it up this year. I think all of the top seeds are going to move on in this one. So I'm taking Tampa, Niagara, St. Bonaventure and Binghamton. Give me Tampa Binghamton in the semis, a rematch, and I'm going to take Tampa. They're going to learn from their mistakes, and they're going to go to the finals. Niagara and St. Bonaventure, I'm rolling with Fitzy, too. I like the way Niagara plays, and I'm going to take them going to the finals. And then you get the battle, you know, the, the UNYCHL versus College Hockey South. I think I think if Tampa gets into that game, it's hard to root against Tampa because of how hard it has been for them to get to that final game. So they got to get to that final boss this year. I think Niagara is the the team who's fit to maybe give them the toughest time as well. But that's kind of been the key over the last couple of years is I think 
some of these teams get ahead of themselves and they they run into the Christopher Newports of the world. All of a sudden, they're they're going home packing. So should be an exciting first edition of the AAU Division One national championship on hand in Westchester this year. We're going to move to our ACHA M1 preview. This, of course, happening at Centene in St. Louis. You're going to get a couple games at the Maryville University Hockey Center on the campus of Maryville University just outside of St. Louis and I believe is it Maryland Heights, Missouri. We're going to run through and we're, we've actually each filled out brackets, which I don't know if we've ever officially done in the four years of this podcast, but we're going to run through. It's the first year that 24 teams will go to nationals. It is win or go home, one and done. And so we will kind of run through the matchups. Here's what we're going to do, guys. I'm going to run through the day one matchups. We'll each go around the circle and you'll just give your picks for day one day one matchups starting at Centene, you have number 12 utah taking on number 21 missouri state a wchl matchup early on in the tournament then you got number 11 purdue northwest versus number 22 iup number 10 u mary versus number 23 westchester number nine niagara versus number 24 oswego Day one in Maryville has number 13 arizona versus number 20 pitt number 14 grand valley state versus number 19 delaware Number 15, Calvin versus number 18, Indiana Tech. Lastly, number 16, Illinois State versus number 17, GCU. So that is the first round. I don't mind going first to kind of set the tone and set up the format here. I was the last, I'll go first because I was the last person to send my bracket in. Utah, Missouri State, I'm taking Utah. Purdue Northwest, IUP, I'll take Purdue Northwest. I'm going to take U Mary against Westchester. I'm going to take Niagara against Oswego. I'm going to take Arizona over Pitt. I'm going to take Delaware over Grand Valley State. That's going to be my first upset that I take. Sticking with my guys in the Eshel. i a little nervous that they couldn't get the job done against Drexel in the conference tournament, but I'm rolling with the Blue Hens there. 15, Calvin versus 18, Indiana Tech. I'm taking Indiana Tech in this. I think they got a lot of momentum from the WAC conference, so I'll take another upset there. To round it out, I'm going to take GCU over Illinois State as well in the first round. So going chalk all the way through, and then those final three, I'm calling upsets on there. So Herm, I'll throw it over to you to run through the list, but I'm curious who you have in your first round. I'm just reading off of how we did our bracket. So if it's a little bit jumpy compared to Centene versus Maryville, I apologize. I have Utah over Missouri State, Arizona over Pitt, and I'll send tissues. I have Purdue Northwest over IUP. I have GVSU over Delaware in a 3-2 overtime win. I have U Mary over Westchester, and I wrote on my bracket by six goals, comma, easy. I have Calvin over Indiana Tech. GCU over Illinois State, and I have a double overtime thriller between Niagara and Oswego State. Niagara coming out on top. Wow. I would love to see that game. A little uh, old school NECHL rivalry between Niagara and Oswego. Those two teams met in the conference championship game before COVID hit, and that one came down to the wire too. So some history there between those two programs, and they're going to meet in St. Louis of all places, an upstate New York rivalry. So we'll keep an eye on that one. But Fitzy, we'll toss over to you. I know you've been hitting the books today, getting all the stats. So I'm sure you got a couple of exciting picks here. Yeah, first one, I'm going the Utes over Missouri State, Purdue Northwest over IUP. Looking at the stats later, brackets already filled, so I can't change it. But I kind of wish I had uh, Purdue Northwest going further. But I haven't went in their their first round matchup. You marry over Westchester and Niagara over Oswego. 
Um, moving to the Merrillville matchups, I got Pittsburgh upsetting Arizona. I think that's my first upset. I have Grand Valley State over Delaware. I am just forever traumatized. Doesn't matter. D1, 2, 3, Grand Valley State. When we played their D2 team, they are just some scary dudes. So I'm just forever traumatized when I see that school name, picking them to win. I got Indiana Tech over Calvin. Not really sure with that one, but it just sounds right. I got Illinois State over GCU. That's kind of a heart pick. Know some guys at uh, ISU, so show them some love. I I was in a very similar spot with you when I was looking at Calvin, Indiana Tech, because sometimes when you have those schools, maybe the average hockey fan hasn't heard of. And you're like, when they get to nationals, like both of these teams won games at nationals last year. So you can throw out the like they haven't been to nationals. They don't know what they're doing. So that was kind of a toss up for me. And the deciding factor for me in that one was how big of a scare Indiana Tech gave Minot State last year in the tournament. They, they, they sent that game to overtime. So that was kind of the deciding factor for me in that one. But for our final day one predictions, we'll throw it over to Collins. Like everybody else, for uh, Utah versus Missouri State, I am taking the Utes. For Purdue Northwest versus IUP, uh, I'm going Purdue Northwest. I think, like I mentioned last episode, IUP it really depends on what team you're going to get. They can be really hot and they can be really, really cold. We're going with them. For you, Mary versus Westchester, with all of my heart, I say you, Mary. I say you, Mary. I don't think it's going to be a six-goal blowout. I think it might be a little bit less than six goals, but it will be a convincing win for you, Mary. And I do think the Westchester boys will showcase some of their talent as well. They are uh, a good team, but when you're going up against a team like you, Mary, who has basically the entire athletic department support, it's a completely different ballgame. And then for Niagara, Oswego State, I'm taking Niagara. I just want to note, it is, imagine traveling 1,600 miles just to play a team that is two hours away from you. That is absolutely nuts. And then one of you got to get sent home. Yeah, so we're going with Niagara on that one. For the Maryville games, Arizona-Pittsburgh, I will be taking Arizona. I think the West, I wouldn't say a lot stronger, but it is, it's it's solidly stronger than the Eshel. I think when you're playing against like teams like UNLV consistently, it shows. GVSU-Delaware, I have GVSU. It's just another team I hate, Delaware, football rivalry, Villanova. Calvin-Indiana Tech, same reason as Murph, I'm going Indiana Tech. They gave Minot quite the scare last year, and they've been here before, so they, they know what they're doing. And then lastly, uh, GCU-Illinois State, I will be taking GCU. Uh, they're on a hot streak right now, and I expect the hot streak to keep going for at least one more game. Love it, love it. Should we go reverse order? Do we want to do we want to shake up the order for day two? Yeah. Again, and it's like it's funny too because I think Herm had the line a couple weeks ago. It's like you have to remember that us watching the games on our phones and tweeting about it has no effect on the game. Like this might have effects on the game because if I'm one of these teams and I see us for ripping them saying they're never going to win and then maybe that might fire me up a little bit more or you know you're on the other end you're listening to this pod and you're getting ready for nationals in st louis and we're hyping them up and then you let your guard down and all of a sudden we have an upset on our hands so it'll be curious to see how things play out but collins i'll, I'll turn it over to you just kind of run us through the second round matchups that you have you can start at the top with nevada utah and just kind of go down the list yeah so i'm gonna ruffle a lot of feathers throughout my entire bracket. First game of the day, 10, 15 a.m., UNLV versus Utah. I am taking Utah. They did it once already this season. I have faith they can do it again. I will be pulling for them. Next game, 
Jamestown versus Arizona, I will be taking the Jimmies. Really, really talented team. They will hand it to Arizona. Maryville, Purdue Northwest. That will be Maryville winning that one. UCO, GVSU. I will be taking UCO. Another one here that's that's going to be a rough listen. Liberty, you marry. I'm taking you marry. I think they're going to get the job done there. Adrian, Indiana Tech. I'm going chalk here and we're going with Adrian. Another chalk matchup here, I believe. But this game will not be easy for either team. Uh, so a lot of bad blood between these guys already. For number eight, Ohio versus Niagara, I will be taking the Bob Dogs. Another straight chalk one here. It kind of seems inevitable. Number one, Minot State versus GCU. We're going to go with Minot State. Well, Collins, I don't have to go because we have all the same matchups in that round. I like your pick with you marry over Liberty. I don't know if you were thinking the same thing I was, but I was like, I've gone chalk this whole round. I need one that goes the other way. I think you marry coming off of nationals last year. They wanted the three Pete. Now they're back in St. Louis, a barn where they had a, a lot of success two years ago in nationals. They end up winning in double overtime over Florida Gulf coast. I think they have impressed a lot of people in the jump to division one this year. Again, you want to talk about picking with your heart, went to training camp with the Utah boys when we were filming some content to get the season started and I would just love nothing more for them to go on a run at nationals and get to, to hang out with those guys for a little bit. So rooting with my heart on that one, the other one, Oh, I think Ohio and Niagara splitting the regular season series two two. what more could you ask for game five being in St. Louis, a rematch of when these two teams met two years ago in St. Louis it was Niagara's first time in a while going to nationals. The lights were very bright. I think they were just getting used to it. I think this game might go down as one of the best games in the national tournament. It is going to be a, a really good one between Ohio and Niagara. So those are just my comments. But yeah, I had pretty much had the same thing as you. Well, oh, Fitzy's ready. Fitzy's on the on deck circle. He's ready to go. I've been so excited for this all day. Yeah, so I was also chalk. As I mentioned earlier, kind of wish I... Uh, rode the Purdue Northwest train, but I do have Maryville beating them. I have Liberty over you, Mary, only for the fact that just Liberty Adrian, like that that matchup just rolls well off the tongue, and it's always fun when those team when those two teams meet. This one's gonna make Herm a little upset. I have Niagara over the Bobcats. I am sorry, Herm. Please do not make my voice sound like a chipmunk or anything on this podcast. I think that makes Herm feel better that you picked Niagara because it's not a clean sweep of a hockey house rooting for Ohio. So I think like he's maybe a little bit relieved here. But Herm, did, did you have anything different? Any matchups that you wanted to, to zone in on? I have Purdue Northwest beating Maryville. I think it's going to be a dark horse stunning number six Maryville. You marry over Liberty. I have written here, the refs ain't the same when it's not at LaHaye. If you know, you know. I also think Ohio-Niagara is going to be one of the best games of the tournament. It is going to physically pain me that I am not going to be there for that game in person, and I'm just going to have to watch it through a computer screen. That's tough. These teams really, really do not like each other. I wouldn't be surprised to see fisticuffs at some point in the game. So two key things, some advanced analytics from Mackenzie Murphy here. 
UNLV playing the winner of Missouri State Utah is a trap game because you have UNLV is going to be flying in. It's their first game at nationals and they are playing a team that has already played in nationals on one day rest. Maryville will do the same thing in the win in their game. Liberty will do the same thing and Ohio will do the same thing. And I think this is where we see upsets in recent years because that team, they come in, they do a practice, they play a game, they win a game, they build their confidence, and then they get a key rest day and then they're playing a team that has not played in St. Louis yet. So just something to keep an eye out for, because I think if you are the UNLVs, the Maryvilles and the Liberties and Ohio's and you win this game, it can propel you like, hey, that was a, that might be the, one of the tougher games we have. And then once you get one win underneath you, it kind of builds that confidence. But that's Herm, kind of what I was thinking with Liberty. We talked about it all the time. They don't travel often. So to travel and now play a team that has already played a game in St. Louis, I think that's 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 an uphill battle right there. So something to, to keep an eye out for. But we'll skip kind of towards the end here and do final four national championship predictions. So we'll go around the table here. Give your final four and your national championship matchup and winner all in one. Fitzy, you're, you're hot right now, so we'll throw it back over to you first. Who do you got in the final four, and then who's your winner? I got Minot going against Maryville, and then Adrian going against UNLV. Mary, Maryville, like I said, I, I think that Purdue-Northwest-Maryville uh, matchup, um, the Friday, Saturday, they play Friday, Saturday, they play on a Saturday. I think the winner of that's gonna gonna go to the semis, but it's gonna be a repeat of last year with uh, Minot and Adrian facing off in the the chipper. History is gonna repeat, and and Minot's gonna be uh, holding up the trophy at the end. Fitz, what did I say when you sent your bracket earlier today? I said, I have integrity. I said, I see that you've sent yours, but I'm not looking at it. You and I, it sounds like you and I had the same idea. I know you're doubting them a little bit and you wish you took Purdue Northwest, but I also see Maryville getting into the final four and I have Maryville versus Minot, Adrian versus Jamestown. And then I have Minot, Adrian in the finals because you always think when teams play each other in the finals two years in a row, do you get the Detroit Red Wings, Pittsburgh Penguins 0809 thing? Like, do they just trade Marion Hosa and then the other team ends up winning? Like, are we going to see that? I don't think there's a Marion Hosa situation here. I also am, am, am taking Minot in this one in the final. And I just think they're a little bit more battle tested this year as well. I think that game against GCU is going to be really tough for them because the GCU team that they played at the start of the semester is very different than the GCU team they will probably play in nationals. I like the way that you're thinking there. Herm, I'll toss it over to you next. Who do you got in your tourney? We all have very, very similar brackets, man. I have Minot versus the Dark Horse, Purdue Northwest, and then Adrian facing off against UNLV. I have a Minot UNLV championship and Minot running it back for the win. Wow. I'm starting to think either we don't know ball or we're all just very smart. Collins, what are you, you going the same thing or what, what do you got for us? No, I'm going to I'm going to shake things up a bit. I am chalk with Adrian UCO and the Jimmys. I'm going to give Herm the matchup he does not want to see. And I think it's it's really possible, too. So I think Ohio is going to upset Minot. And I'm going to like mine, like we like call it an upset in air quotes, because listen to the last four. So they've faced each other four times over the last three, three ish seasons. 
Uh, so in the 2022 Natties, Ohio beat Minot three to two. Uh, in the 2023 season, they split in Athens. Minot, uh, Ohio won five three and then lost five eight the next day. In 2024 in Chicago, Ohio convincingly beat Minot five two. So I think, especially coming off of beating Niagara, like you know, a team that clearly they hate. There's going to be a lot of energy in those boys, and I think they'll get the job done versus Minot. And then, unfortunately, I believe they're going to run out of gas when they run into Adrian. I know that that pains the the, the look on Herm's face is, is a little rough right now. And then the Jimmies will move past uh, UCO, so you'll get an Adrian Jamestown final with Adrian being your 2023-24 national champions. I do I do appreciate your love for the Jimmies there. I do I think that is a team that and it, it's so you can't call them a dark horse at number four, but it does feel like if we get a team in the final that's not Minot or Adrian, like that might just be America's team that everybody roots for at this point. I I think Jamestown, they've learned the last couple of years. I think them playing Minot so many times a year certainly helps their ranking and boosts them towards the top. But I think they're a team that has kind of learned every time they've gone to nationals. They had that heartbreaker last year on the last second tying goal by Ohio. Ohio ends up winning in overtime. I I think that's a team to look out for in St. Louis this year. They were so, so close to a run, a real, real run. If that game does not get tied and they fall in a heartbreaker in OT, they had a lot of momentum and they could have been a real, real contender for it. The day before they came off a heartbreaker for Niagara with that insane puck flip OT goal. That was unreal. This is the year they learned a lot last year. I think this is the year they they make a make a good push. All right, we got to get to M3. It is such an exciting time of year, though. We could talk about this for hours. Rapid fire here through the M3. You got Pool A, the number one seed, Lawrence Tech, number eight, Arkansas, number nine, Colby College, number 24, St. Vincent, Pool B, number two, Hope, number seven, Dartmouth, number 10, Calvin, number 19, Sacred Heart, Pool C, number three, Grand Valley State, number six, Florida Gulf Coast, number 11, Purdue, Number 14, Missouri State. Pool D, number four, Mizzou. Number five, Air Force. Number 12, Central Maine. Number 13, Michigan State. Herm, I want to throw it over to you first because I think between the four of us, you know the most about Michigan D3 ACHA hockey. And it feel like the road to the finals always runs through the Michigan teams here. Is there anything that stands out to you when looking at the M3 pools? The fact that we're going to have a new national champion missing the University of Michigan. We are looking at the opportunity for not only M2 to have a new champion, obviously with UMass not making it, but now Michigan not making it. So it is a wide, wide open field for a new team. We talk about the 08-09 Red Wings Penguins. Like we had that the last two years in M3 with Hope and Michigan going down to the wire. Kind of like Liberty, to put them in the same category as the Liberty women's team is disrespectful to the Liberty women. But here's Hope College, a team that we didn't really talk about all first semester. They were losing games they shouldn't have lost. They figured out second semester. They go and win the Vezina Cup, the hardest trophy to win in Michigan ACHA and the road to the M3 title usually correlates with not correlates, but it comes from that conference, right? And so the top team is hope 
Grand Valley State at number three. They were at number one all year long. You got Mizzou at number four, who I think learned a lot last year, their trip to nationals. So plenty of uh, familiar faces in this one. Purdue at number 11 makes Pool C enticing. Grand Valley State, Florida Gulf Coast, Purdue, Missouri State. Fitz, anything that you've learned about M3 today that is worth sharing? I've learned a couple things. Grand Valley State's my pick to win as we're talking about that strong conference there. I'll say kind of a bold statement. I feel like Lawrence Tech is a little over overrated at number one. Not that they're, I still feel like they'll come out of that pool just fine, but I think they're a little overrated at one. And then just two quick uh, dark horses that might make a run are number nine, Colby, and number five, Air Force. A little bit on Air Force I found was 37 goals against. Keep the goals down, and goals are always harder to come by come playoff time. And if Air Force plays anything like their NCAA team a few years ago and blocks every shot known to man, I think they'll be in good shape. So a potential Cinderella run. Collins, anything that, that sticks out to you? Again, we, we we briefly went over this last week, but now that you're looking at it a week later, what do you see? Yeah, I also saw that same Air Force stat. I think they're a dark horse to watch. Obviously, Hope. Back to Air Force. I mean, those military boys are just built different. They have a, another gear that most teams just don't have, especially when it comes to the third period. Like playing Navy every year, two times a year, sometimes three, if depending on playoffs. By the time the third period comes, they're just above you. They are so much faster. They are so much stronger. Their endurance is just there. Watch out for them. They could make a pretty deep run. I feel like a team that has been in a lot of Hockey House pod highlights this year is Arkansas. They had a really good series with Mizzou. Interesting enough, Mizzou Air Force 4 versus 5 in Pool D. Those two teams played each other last year in pool play. You got to think there's a lot of familiarity between those two teams. That'll be a really good game to watch. I, I still I got my eye on Pool C. Something is drawing me to that one. Grand Valley State, Florida Gulf Coast, Purdue. I think the winner, or at least one of those teams, is going to the finals, and I think hope is there. If I was a betting man, again, staying at the Hollywood Casino in St. Louis, if they have anything on Hope College, I'm, I'm tossing it down there because that just feels like a safe way to make some money this time of year. So I think the M3 one is going to be very exciting. I know we just buzzed through those. Honestly, I think all three of these tournaments are going to be really exciting. Very pumped up for the ACHA M1 tournament. I think I think we saw a lot of blowouts last year, maybe in games that we weren't expecting to. There definitely have been a lot of overtime games. And I think I was worried about the 24 team field that we'd see even more blowouts because you'd have teams that are ranked lower ending up in the tournament. But I feel like looking at this, you get more of those evenly matched teams playing against each other in the first two rounds. And I think that makes for an exciting tournament. And and I'm sure in all three of these, the best team is going to find a way to get it done. So whether it be in St. Louis or Westchester, we'll have all the coverage for you guys. We are going down for the start of AAU next week, and then we will make our way to St. Louis and be on the ground for you guys. Collins and I will be there to start. Herm will join us in St. Louis. It'll be an exciting one. We have though, our last game of the week, of course, we talked to the Jayhawks earlier on the show. It is Mizzou versus Kansas. This one is rivalry at the rink at the Cable Dahmer Arena. It's going to be an exciting one. Mizzou has had the Jayhawks number the last couple of years in this matchup. Some bad blood here between these two teams. They don't like each other on the ice. They don't like each other in many sports. Kansas City is a sports town that's buzzing right now. Should be an exciting one. From Kansas City, again, the, the Jayhawks, this is their home rink, right? This is right in their backyard. Mizzou, 
gets a, a big tune up right before they head to nationals, which very rare that teams get to have a game like this leading up to nationals as well. So we'll run through our picks again. It's the final game of the week of the season. We'll have to Again, I'm out of touch with the leaderboard right now. Herm, you don't happen to have those stats handy right now. But yeah, we'll, we'll whip up a graphic at some point this year. We can look back and probably laugh at how bad our picks were consistently bad throughout the year. But Fitzy, Mizzou, Kansas going head-to-head. Mizzou's going to nationals. Kansas, this is all they have left to play for. Who are you taking in this one? I think Mizzou's going to uh, be a little too much to handle for the Jayhawks, and they're going to take care of business. Collins, what are you thinking? I am also going with Mizzou. Uh, they're just an extremely talented team. I think it could be closer than than I previously thought. I hate Kansas for what they did to Villanova basketball uh, two years ago. So we're going with the Tigers. I think if this game wasn't being played the week before nationals, I would like Kansas's odds better. But I think this Mizzou team is on a mission to get the job done. Again, I talked about that experience that they had at nationals and I'm riding with Mizzou as well I think again you don't want to chalk it up as a loss if Kansas were to win this one but like I really don't like Mizzou's odds at nationals if they aren't able to get a win against Kansas in a big rivalry game before heading off to the biggest games of the season but Herm final pick of the year I'll let you take it away thanks for the jersey boys Miz all day well boys I think that is more than enough ACHA and AAU college hockey talk for this week nationals preview episode part one We cannot wait to see all of you amazing players and fans in Westchester and St. Louis. It is the most exciting time of the year. You can't get enough of the college hockey. And we're looking forward to bringing you all the amazing coverage. As always, follow at Hockey House Pod on all social media platforms. And we will keep you up to date. We will have part two of our Nationals preview episode dropping next Friday. So we will see you next week. See you, boys.